0: As we continue to face COVID-19, we're now facing flu season.
1: Influenza has the potential to infect millions, putting lives and the healthcare system at risk. Now more than ever, it's essential to protect yourself from influenza by getting the
2: flu vaccine. The flu vaccine is safe and effective and can't give you the flu. To
0: protect yourself and those at highest risk, get your flu vaccine. Learn more at michigan.gov slash flu. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome to JBTV, the JBTV podcast right here on Pantheon. We're talking to legendary photographer Paul Natkin. He shot some of the finest bands in the history of music. Bands that don't have attitudes, bands that cared about their image. And he was there at the very beginning shooting those bands. JBTV. Welcome to the JBTV podcast. Each and every show is dedicated to great music lovers. Are you ready? The podcast starts right here, right now. New music now. So here we are. Welcome to another great edition of JBTV. I have one of the finest photographers in the United States and the world, Paul Natkin. And uh, we've done so many concerts where you're there shooting pictures and uh, doing stuff and The stories you could probably
2: tell Uh, over the years. There are a lot of them. (laughs) There are a lot (laughs) of them. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm just kind of semi retired. Uh, Not by choice. Uh uh, Because nobody wants to have their picture taken anymore. Really? Uh, Bands want to, you know, they want their friends to use these things. And, you know, they don't want real photographers shooting them anymore because they don't have any control. Wow. I remember last time you were on the show,
0: you were uh, saying about the moments that you get, you know, you you wait, where these new photographers, and I've seen them, they go, you know. (laughs) They shoot a movie. Yeah.
2: And then they just pick a
0: still out of the movie. But the knowledge that you have, and uh, the bands that you've shot,
2: and the history that you've done is amazing. Now, you have a book you put out? Just came out last week. It's called uh, A Moment in Time. Mm -hmm. And... uh, it's just a book of my pictures so what, what what made you do that somebody talked me into it yeah publisher and a friend of mine who always thought i should have a book so i did a book uh-huh it's like a coffee table book right well it's like <laughs> you know it's thick a lot of pictures yeah a little so, bit of text uh-huh uh not much but a little bit uh-huh some pictures need explanation
0: yeah. I remember the last time you were on the show, uh, you were talking about all the different bands that you shot, and, and we showed a lot of that stuff. So uh, tell us about what's in the book. It's
2: divided up by types of music, and it kind of shows that I shoot everything. I don't just shoot like rock and roll and thrash metal and you know stuff like that, but there's a gospel section, there's a blues section, a jazz section, a world music section, a country music section, a rock section, uh-huh. and then there's some classic bunch of stones pictures a bunch of springsteen pictures a bunch of prince pictures those are the people i shot the most of
0: uh-huh back when you could uh, shoot things better right
2: back when people let you shoot pictures
0: yeah i remember you were always saying how uh like, even for us at jbtv you know we would be able to shoot the whole concert you know but they just stick you guys like like you only have the first song
2: <laughs> well some of them most of them tell you you can shoot the first three songs And then they kick you out of the building. Uh Like, you can't even watch the show. Really? Because, God forbid, you might shoot a picture during the fifth song. Yet all these other people with their cell phones... Everybody in the audience has a cell phone. Is still shooting. And they're all shooting pictures and posting them on Instagram, like, before they even leave the venue. So, logically, it doesn't make any sense, but who might argue
0: well i don't know i think great photographers will will never die and just because you have an iphone to shoot a picture you know it's just it's not the same
2: well we've been deemed unnecessary yeah uh pretty much yeah everybody i know that of my stature in the business is retired because we we won't put up with the restrictions
0: yeah anymore Yeah, the bullshit of it all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's been
2: like this for years. It's yeah, been like this for 25 years.
0: Tell us when you first started uh, shooting pictures.
2: I started uh, in the early 70s, middle 70s. Uh-huh. My father was a photographer before I was born. When I was born, he quit photography and became a builder. And in the middle 70s, he went bankrupt. If I'm not making any money, I might as well not be making any money being a photographer. Uh huh. So he got out all his old cameras and he cleaned him up and he started calling all his friends that he used to know in the business and one of them worked for this team called the chicago bulls and uh he said hey you know do you need a photographer the guy says well we we're a totally unknown team they just started nobody knew who they were you could go and buy a ticket to a game like you know 10 minutes before the game started and uh he said you could come to the games and shoot and if we like your pictures we'll buy them from you so my father said, sure no problem and he went to a game I was 21 years old, no idea what to, what I was going to do with my life, uh, living at home with my parents, no job. And he came home and told me the story, and the story involved four four parts. Part number one, free parking. Part number two, get in the game for part number three, free hot meal in the press box, and part number four, best seats in the house because you're right on the court, right? To shoot pictures, and uh, and I said gotta take me i gotta go to the next concert <laughs> sign me i gotta up. go to the next the next game All right, this is what i want to do and uh-huh. i went and took pictures i'd never held a camera in my hand i was standing courtside at a bulls game uh taking pictures are sitting. you a
0: sports fan yeah yeah oh yeah. cool so it was good for you to oh, do yeah, this oh yeah it was yeah. great it yeah. was
2: great and i never thought about making a living doing it you know how do you earn money doing it? so i uh i just did it because it was cool i did it for a couple of years, and. Uh, and then one day I started shooting other stuff I started shooting tennis matches and baseball games and football games all of a sudden I found myself like standing on the sidelines of a Bears game and Walter Payton standing like you know five feet away from me I was at a tennis match up in Northwestern in Evanston mm-hmm. and uh, match ended I got in my car started the engine and the radio was on and there was there's a commercial for a concert that was happening
0: what and was the concert?
2: It, well first of all I could never make this up. There's there's no way I could have ever made this up. The concert was happening five feet away from where I was sitting right at that moment. Oh, wow. (laughs) And it was this unknown woman guitar player by the name of Bonnie Raitt. So I just sat there thinking to myself, I've been able to bullshit my way into any sporting event in the city of Chicago. Uh How hard can it be to BS my way into a concert? Yeah. So I shut off the engine. Got out all my equipment. I made up a big story, big lie, about how I was working for this new magazine called Rolling Stone, Uh which it just started a couple years earlier, and uh, walked up to the back door. Got ready to tell the big lie. I opened up the door, and a guard was sitting there, and he said, uh, Oh, you're with the press. Go ahead and do whatever you want. Just don't get on stage. (laughs) And that was it. Wow. That was my first concert.
0: Yeah. It's amazing, the freedom. Uh, back then, you know. Uh, well, it was with- never that easy again. Oh, okay. But it was close. It was close. <laughs>
2: but that's how I got started. And then I there was a venue right near my house where I was living at the time. Uh-huh. It was called uh the Ivanhoe Theater. It was on Clark and Wellington. It's now a liquor store. But at that point it was a little 300-seat venue that had really good bands playing there. I mean, it was it was the first venue that Jam Productions booked. In Chicago mm-hmm. and people like Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and Cheech and Chong people like that would play there regularly uh-huh. so I just uh walked around one day and I figured out where the back door was and how I could sneak in mm-hmm. and I started sneaking in and I got to meet the security guys and people that ran the place and I would give them pictures make him prints and give them pictures. <laughs> and one day, one of the security guys said, hey, hold on a second. And he called this other guy over who was the manager of the theater. And he said, uh, hey, this guy's a great photographer. We should let him in all the time and make him our staff photographer. And he did. Wow. And he gave me this badge that I got to wear and got to, got to walk in the front door <laughs> like a real person. And I started going there, like, every single night, no matter who was playing there. Just, it didn't matter who they were. If they were up on stage, I was taking pictures of them.
0: Right, because it's your passion, your love, right?
2: Well, but it's also, the the best way to get into business is Mm -hmm. to shoot as much as you can. Right. As many, and I love music, you know, and every band that I shot was different. And then I met a guy from Jam Productions... And he said, oh, yeah, I heard you're shooting pictures here all the time. You should shoot all of our concerts. And all of a sudden, I was walking into any venue I wanted wow. in the city of Chicago. I would just, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I'd make myself dinner, pick up the reader. Who's playing tonight? Mm-hmm. Let's go to the Uptown tonight, or let's go to Park West tonight, or let's go to uh, the Aragon. Right. And, uh, and I was amassing this huge archive mm-hmm. of rock and roll photographs. Still having no idea how to earn a living, though. But I, it was, I was having fun. And then one day, I met a guy who I was at Park West, and I was standing in the lobby. And somebody introduced me to this guy who's an art director for a rock and roll magazine called Cream Magazine, uh-huh. which still to this day is the greatest rock and roll magazine ever invented. Much better than Rolling Stone or any of the other any of the other ones. Right, right. And uh, so I immediately said to him, like, "Hey, how do I get my pictures in your magazine?" And he said, "Well, you know, here's the deal. We'll send you a list the fifteenth of the month. If you have anybody on the list, send us the pictures. If we use them, we'll pay you." I sent him a bunch, You know, I had like three bands on the list, and I sent him the pictures, and he used one. And it was full page, color picture in Cream Magazine, National Magazine. What was the artist for that? Rick Derringer. And I'm thinking, I'm rich now.
0: Uh huh.
2: <laughs> this is great. You know, I've, I've made it, and I uh, I got a check about a week later. I made $35, and uh, I got to figure out another plan. This isn't going to (laughs) work. So I went and bought one each of every music magazine on on the newsstand. I started contacting all of them, and pretty soon I had five pictures in each magazine each month. Mm -hmm. Add up $35 times 30, and it becomes kind of a living. Uh I did that for years. Made contacts and made friends and met bands and, you know, the rest is history
0: so how was chicago back in the day when all those industrial bands were playing at uh you know like neo and exit and all those places Um,
2: they were not very nice they were all very egotistical Mm -hmm. for the most part they ignored me oh really i ignored them i remember once ministry came over to my house and they couldn't have been less interested in having their photos taken that's when they had their first record deal I shot Liz Fair, and she immediately forgot me and the next time I met her she looked at me like I was delivering pizza. The only band that ever kept on coming back, which I wasn't really that thrilled with them in the first place, was Urge Overkill. And for some reason Nash Cato used to call me all the time to take pictures of them. Well, we shot Urge
0: Overkill at the uh, the Park West. We did a concert with them.
2: They came to my house, and their manager called me up an hour before they were coming over and said, uh, you need to have all the makings for mimosas, which is champagne and orange juice. Uh And I said, if you guys want mimosas, you better bring them with you. Yeah, I'm I'm not not, making them. I'm not making them for you. (laughs) Liz Fair, when she came over to my house, wanted a certain brand of cranberry juice that can only be bought at Whole Foods. Oh, wow. Learned very quickly to be rock stars, uh-huh. and that's not a good look.
0: Yeah, I remember when Urge Overkill came to our studio, we did a couple of interviews with them, uh, but I didn't have anything. You know, I had some cheap champagne that somebody dropped off. Okay. And me rather
2: thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> and here we go,
0: the kickoff to the official summer's part right. of the 1994 Urge Overkill
2: Ur- never ending. The <laughs> nev-
1: You've heard of the never-ending story? Uh-huh. Welcome to the never-ending tour. Yeah. Let's summer begin with this. That resounding... Uh, now, did I hit you in the head last time with that? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Let's summer begin with JB losing an eye. Really, really tasty
2: Marshall Fields uh, champagne. Here, take this. Right, right. I didn't even have that because I don't drink.
0: Yeah, me either. So I didn't, have,
2: I didn't have any alcohol in my house. Yeah. And I said, uh, sh- she said you got to have bagels and cream cheese and mimosas and oh, i said geez. well they better stop and buy them on the way over yeah there's a jewel a few blocks away yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the national bands were much nicer mm-hmm. to deal with than mm-hmm. the local bands and
0: always have been and then you've done a lot of uh major stars too bruce springsteen the rolling stones
2: yeah those those people love me yeah you know they keep on asking me back yeah and you know maybe there's a reason that urge overkill is has no career anymore and liz fair is kind of over and yeah you know and the rolling stones are still playing stadiums
0: yeah yeah it's amazing the shows they put on isn't it yeah and the energy and uh for a
2: bunch of old men they're they're pretty damn good well old men still rock and roll
0: because uh we're the uh you know the people that have been around and uh right you know we have experience that uh you know, a lot of uh, younger bands and artists well, and photographers don't have.
2: I always tell people what you have to do is you have to, you have to look at your past, look at the present to figure out what the future is going to be. If you don't l- listen to the past, I mean, the Rolling Stones still give more interviews while they're on the road than Urge Overkill does uh-huh. when they're on the road.
0: Well, that's publicity. They're talking about you, you know? It's
2: publicity and it sells tickets.
0: Yes, yes. And it
2: sells t-shirts. Yeah. And it sells leather jackets, Converse All-Star high tops Mm -hmm. with the Rolling Stones logo on the side of it.
0: It's amazing how things have changed. So, I can't believe you're retired now because you are such a good photographer and uh, you have such a great archive, you know?
2: Well, I live off my archive. Uh Uh-huh. I, uh... I've photographed over 4,500 bands in my life, or artists. Mm -hmm. There are 4,500 names in my archives. Sometimes when a band breaks up, I make four separate files Uh for the four guys because they all do separate things. Uh, And I license photos around the world.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, Whenever they do something, people want photos of them. And people don't want the photos taken with iPhones... During the first three songs. Yeah. They want real photos.
0: Yeah, the ones, those, 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 those magic moments that you always seem to capture, you know?
2: Well, if you wait for them to happen, yeah, they're going to happen. Yeah. If you just shoot three songs and shoot as many pictures as you can, you're going to end up with a bunch of mediocre pictures. Mm-hmm. It's funny, There's the, the most momentous moment of my career took place right around the corner from here, where we are now at this restaurant called gene and georgetti's
0: oh that's a famous place
2: so i had a friend who his name was jim marshall jim marshall was the greatest rock and roll photographer that ever lived oh really did you ever see the picture of johnny cash giving the finger
0: yeah i think so yeah
2: jim marshall took that oh wow uh
0: although i think you're the greatest rock and roll photographer (laughs) i'm like this
2: compared to jim marshall's like that oh wow and he died about five years ago. Uh-huh. Back in the middle 90s, he was he was in town on a weekend. Called me up and he said, hey, let's go out to lunch. And he's my idol, so uh-huh. of course I'm going to go out to lunch with him. Uh-huh. So we went to Gina Giorgetti's. It was like noon on a Saturday. We were the only people in there. Waiters with the white shirts, with the black ties. Old fashioned. Yeah, old fashioned. Yeah, they do
0: it the the right and way. he yeah.
2: orders a bottle of wine and I don't drink, so he drank the whole bottle. He <laughs> orders a second bottle. I still don't drink, so he started drinking that. And halfway through the meal, it was, he was at one side of the table, I was at the other side, and this woman that he knew was, was having lunch with us was sitting at the end. All of a sudden, he looked at me, and he said, do you put up with that you can only shoot the first three songs bullshit? And I looked at him. I said, you kind of have to. Because at that point, I was still doing that. Yeah. Uh, You kind of have to, because if you don't, you're not going to be able to shoot. And he looked at me, and he was pretty drunk at the time. And all of a sudden, he slammed his hand down on the table, and he yelled across the table at me, you're a fucking moron. (laughs) And I said, excuse me? And he said, well, when you allow them to dictate the rules like that, they're not your pictures anymore. Right. They're... All you're doing is you're taking what they want you to take. And they said, I would never go out unless they let me shoot whatever I wanted from wherever I wanted to shoot. Stuck it in the back of my head. I went home that afternoon. I'm laying on the couch watching a football game. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, he's right. You know what it's like to shoot three songs? You you walk in there. First of all, you have to be an hour early. Mm -hmm. Because if you get caught in traffic and you're late you miss half of what you're supposed to shoot.
0: Right, right.
2: So you got to be there like way ahead of time. You're waiting, you're waiting. The band comes on stage and you're just shooting whatever happens just to get something. And the first three songs, they're first warming The first three songs up. are the most boring songs of the show.
0: Yeah, because the band's warming up. They're not even real. They get into it, you know, like, right. you know, 30,
2: 40 minutes into exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So he says to me, you know, if you do, you're doing that, you're shooting the worst part of the show. I'm thinking he's right. Mm-hmm. So the following Monday, I got up and picked up the reader, started making phone calls for the following weekend, like, okay, who, who am I going to shoot this week? Called the publicist, and I said, hey, I want to shoot your band. They're coming to town on Friday. They're playing wherever. And uh, But I've got a new wrinkle in the whole system, which is I don't want to shoot your band unless I could shoot the whole show. And I explained to him why. Right. And over the next four months, this was mid-90s. Over the next four months, I lost 95% of my business, Mm. and it never came back. And I'm at a point right now where publicists don't even know who I am. The publicists I used to deal with all the time are now retired or they've got like three bands that they work with. Or
0: laid off or, or well, whatever. Yeah, or, yeah.
2: or their companies dissolved. Even the ones that have the big bands that I still know, they have no control. It used to be that there are two kinds of publicists in the world. There's the kind that tells the band what they want them to do. And there's the kind that asks the band what they want them to do. And when you ask the band what they want to do, what they want to do, they're always going to say no to everything. The band is paying them a lot of money to be their publicist. And they're not listening to them. Right. The one the good publicists say, I don't care what you want to do. You, here's a list of ten people that want to interview you. You got to do seven of these, and then out of the last three, pick one. Mm-hmm. And if if the band is smart, they say, okay, we're paying you five thousand dollars a month to tell us what to do. We're gonna do it. But most publicists will just say, oh, sir, please, will you be interviewed by so and so? And they'll say, no, I don't feel like. And they won't do it. And then they wonder why they don't get any publicity. We have the
0: same issue, too, with JBTV, You TV, know, just getting yeah. artists. I like the new artists, of course, right. because they don't have the attitude. But the new artists do have the attitude already. Really? They, so, they're,
2: they're, they're, they're God, still... it's totally changed, this business. Yeah. <laughs> there, uh, it used to be that this whole three songs thing, you can only shoot the first three songs, right. was only for the really big shows. Uh huh. And then it slowly worked its way down to now, I go to the Vic Theater and after three songs, they kick me out. Oh, I go to the Metro, and after three songs, they kick me out. Uh-huh. And it's got to the point where... Why bother? Well, why it costs me 50 bucks to park. I have to drive to the place. I have to pay for gas. I have to pay for parking. And I'm not going to make any money off the pictures because mm-hmm. they're lousy pictures. Mm-hmm. I'm better off just staying home and selling pictures that I took 20 years ago. Right, right. So that's what I do. Well, you have an amazing archive. And you've been, how do you, have you been digitizing from the negatives when you do this? So I shot film throughout my whole career until maybe eight years ago, Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I started shooting digital. So during the pandemic, I had nothing to do. So I just, every day I'd go downstairs and I digitize slides and negatives for eight hours a day. Yeah. And I started with ABBA all the way down to ZZ Top Uh and it's all archived. Wow. And it's all digitized and it's on a bunch of big hard drives, and I can find it. I can find everything immediately. If you come to my house and say, "I want pictures of the Rolling Stones from 1975 at Soldier Field," it'll take me thirty seconds, and you'll be looking at pictures.
0: And it brings back memories when you go through all this, doesn't it?
2: Sometimes good memories, sometimes bad memories, <laughs> but memories, yeah,
0: yeah. So, what are some of the artists that you featured in your book?
2: It's everybody from the Stones to Prince to Springsteen to Tom Petty to Madonna to. Buddy Guy, to uh, Ella Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. Dolly Parton, uh, Bob Marley. What a history you have there, you know. It's, uh, it's out there. Yeah. Now, you always like Nikon cameras? I've always used Nikons yeah. because my father used them. Uh-huh. And when I started out, I didn't own anything, so I was able to borrow his stuff. Uh-huh. And once you, once you buy your first camera and your first lens, you're stuck.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Because eventually you have so much equipment that to switch over... Cost too much money. Mm-hmm. Now, the digital cameras, though, use different lenses, correct? Well, they said the same mount, right? Well, in the beginning, digital cameras used the same lenses. Right. So I had to buy a Nikon digital camera. Uh huh. Then I used all my old lenses. And then the next generation of digital cameras, you needed computerized lenses. Uh huh. So then I had to buy Nikon computerized lenses. Then I had to buy more Nikon cameras. <laughs> How many Nikon cameras do you have? 10. So you have your first original one, too? I have one of them. And they all still work, you know, but I don't use film anymore. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you used to develop your own stuff? And, uh, I used to have a dark room and yeah. I used to
2: develop all my own film. Yeah. Black and white, at least. Right, right. Uh, and that was part of the magic. Yeah. It was especially interesting to see a print come up in the tray in the dark room. You put a piece of white paper in the chemicals, and all of a sudden, there's a picture there. Now it's all... You stick the card in a computer, hit a button, and all the pictures are there yeah, immediately. Yeah, yeah. Boy, but it, it's a lot cheaper. Yeah, I have Nikon
0: eight tens. I got the the digital ones, and right, uh,
2: I've got a D eight hundred. Well, no, it's the <laughs> same thing as the eight yeah. ten. Yours is better than mine. Oh, really? I think so. I don't know. I, it, mine takes good enough. My pictures are good enough that I don't have to switch. So tell us about the
0: Rolling Stones. How some of the tours you were on with that?
2: The first time
0: I've been shooting the Rolling Stones
2: since. 1975 Wow And in 88 Keith Richards Put out a solo album And my next door neighbor Was the music critic Of the Sun-Times And he was hired they sent him to new york to interview keith for a solo record they were too cheap to send a photographer with them so he called me up and he said you know if you uh, come to new york with me sleep on the floor in my hotel room we'll get up in the morning we'll go and interview keith richards and you can do a photo shoot you know i'm not going to turn that that down so we went to new york we went to keith's manager's ma- office i did a little five minute photo shoot with him in the middle of the interview while i was packing up my stuff i heard him say to don you know, we're gonna go out on the road and do a solo he's gonna do a solo tour. So when I made the prints for the Sun Times, I just made an extra set and I put him in an envelope and I wrote a little note to his manager and said, Hey, if you need a tour photographer for your solo tour, give me a call having no idea what a tour photographer did and never expected an answer. And the day before Thanksgiving, nineteen eighty eight, she calls me up and she says, Uh Okay, tomorrow morning get on a plane, fly to Atlanta, come to the Ritz Carlton Call me when you get here. And that night, I shot my first first Keith Richards tour. Got on a tour bus with them and headed for Memphis. Did and you
0: shoot the photos in the bus and stuff too? A little bit, little not bit? really. There's yeah. not
2: much going on there. Yeah, it's basically a bunch of guys sitting around, like yeah, listening to music and <laughs> doing what you probably think they were doing. Uh-huh. I was never into really like. That's probably why they like me because I'm I'm not like in their face all the time backstage. Right. So I did Keith's tour. It ended in christmas of 88 and then i got home and the first issue of rolling stone that year said that the stones were going getting back together and they were going to do a tour in 89 so i wrote the same note hey if you need a tour photographer give me a call (laughs) put it in the mailbox never expected anything to happen and uh got a call what are you doing tomorrow you know get on a plane fly to boston Uh come to the ritz carlton it was the four seasons this time uh Call me when you get here. <laughs> Three hours later, uh, I was out at the football stadium in Foxborough photographing the Rolling Stones, riding around in a, in a van with them, afterwards going out to a private jet at the airport mm-hmm. and flying to Birmingham, Alabama. That's all one day. I did a, I did one month with them. I was all ready to come home thinking, the, the tour's ultimate. over. <laughs> no, well done. But, the, you know, I was c- scheduled to do a month. Uh-huh. I'm thinking, nothing can ever be better than this. Yeah. You know, this is the ultimate experience. And I got a call in the morning right before I was ready to pack, start packing to go home from uh, Keith's manager and she said, "Hey, can you come up to my room?" I go up to her room and she's sit, sitting there with Mick's manager and with the publicist for the tour. And I said, "Well, we have a problem. What did I do wrong?" <laughs> yeah. It's like being called to the principal's office. <laughs> and I said, "What's the problem?" And she said, "Well, everybody in the band really likes you. You get along with everybody. We love your work." And we don't want you to go home. We want you to stay and do the, so rest, what's the, problem? Of the rest of the tour. <laughs> well, you know, to ask somebody to spend a month on the road is one thing. Uh-huh. To ask somebody to spend three and a half months on the road, you really have to change your life at home. How are you going to turn that down? So I said, okay, no problem. <laughs> Done. I'm oh, in. And I did, ended up doing three and a half months with them. Wow. At the end of the tour, there was a big pay per view concert back way before anybody had any kind of high-speed internet at home. Uh There were probably eight people in the United States that were able to actually watch this concert. It was shot at uh, the Trump Casino in Atlantic City. Oh, we had to get Trump in there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He actually showed up at the press conference. Oh, God. (laughs) And uh, they kicked him out (laughs) in his own building. They shot this concert for pay-per-view. I've got a copy of it somewhere. Somebody gave me a tape of it. It's a really great show. Uh Eric Clapton sat in with them john lee hooker sat in with them and uh axel and izzy from guns N' roses sat in with them and then i went home thinking okay pinnacle it doesn't get any better than that right and then they called me in 94 and i did a month with them in 94 and then in 97 they started the tour in chicago so they rehearsed at soldier field so they called me up and said you know show up at the back gate you know and you're our photographer they're basically playing a whole show for me and the crew Wow! in Empty Soldier Field. And then the night before the first show, they said, uh, meet us at the hotel, get in a van with the band. We're going to this place called the Double Door, uh-huh. and we're doing a secret concert. I got out of the van in front of the Double Door with Keith Richards, arm in arm with Keith Richards, and <laughs> walked by all the TV cameras and went inside, and they did a concert for 100 people mm-hmm. in the Double Door.
0: Yeah, Joe Shanahan uh, still talks about that concert yeah. and how it was... uh it was one of you know highlights of the double door the, the great double door it's a shame all these great venues are right, gone, right. too you know
2: well that was probably the ultimate highlight of the double door yeah and then every time they come to town they call me and I go and hang out with them and shoot the show uh-huh. and they're like my buddies.
0: yeah and it's no oh you only get to shoot the first song <laughs> oh no I can shoot anything
2: I can shoot anything I want I can go up on stage if I want
0: you see that just shows you one of the biggest bands in the world. Right. The freedom that they give you, uh, you know, a professional. Because they
2: understand. Yeah. They understand the business. Yeah. And you're not like in their face. You're off, you know, you're doing. No, I'm not, I'm not, I don't walk up on stage and walk next to Mick Jagger and take his picture.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's a lot of these kids think you know when they shoot you know if you've gone
2: to Lollapalooza's and shot or? never gone to Lollapalooza. Yeah. i don't go to those things yeah i i
0: you know i was watching the stuff and there's like 50 photographers and they're all like trying to get
2: these shots and they're acting like they're so important and everything and, and they're, they're not no they're not they shouldn't uh there's a there's a facebook page i don't know if you know about this but no you no. should know about it it's called facebook.com slash Assholes in the photo page. <laughs> and it's all pictures of people, like, standing on the barricade and blocking the audience's view and putting big poles up with their camera up on a pole to yeah, get a yeah, better yeah. Monopods, angle. Monopods, yeah. Monopods. Yeah, yeah. And when I see that, I just go and stand at the other end and I'll, I yeah. shoot what I need to shoot. And
0: yeah, yeah. Well, that's the way JBTV was all the time too. We were there to shoot the concert. I never like being on stage unless I'm right. stuck on the side where I'm not in the way, you know. Exactly. But a lot of these, you know, these these TV people, and uh, they think they got to be here up on stage, like right next to them, and they stuff. have to be that's part like, of the show.
2: Yeah, but they're not, and mm-hmm. they're distracting. Right. And, uh, you know. Well, that's what I've never wanted to be a distraction. I've never wanted to, never wanted anybody to single me out. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever said to me like, you know. You should not not have been there. You should not have been there at that specific time. With the stones? The only caveat they ever had was when the tour started, this was for my own good, I, I used to have to meet with the pyro guys. Oh yeah, stay away from that area. And they would say they would give me a list of songs, Uh-huh They'd say, in this song, right in the beginning of the song, that thing's going to blow up over there. Uh-huh, Don't be there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they still had a guy in the pit that if I got too close and I was about to blow up i could feel some guy grabbing my ankle and pulling mm-hmm. me back mm-hmm. so that i wouldn't get injured
0: yeah we shot uh blink 182 at the world music theater in tinley park and they had these t- pyrotechnic and it was like the 100 degree day and humid and i was like 10 feet away and those things are hotter than hell oh yeah you know? oh yeah it's like whoa and what a waste of energy when you think of it just to have a a spurt of uh, flames you know
2: but the audience loves that stuff yeah yeah did you do any other kind of studio type photography ever? Not much. No. no, I mainly just did that. I shot a lot of album covers, mostly studio type mm-hmm. stuff. But it's uh, mostly concerts. Well, you know the blues artists too. They how were they to work with? They're great. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was just talking to Buddy Guy's manager earlier today, and uh, he's eighty six years old, and he's still rocking <laughs> out on tour. Yeah, out on tour playing shows. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to stop soon.
0: I, I don't think you should. I think the problem that people have when we get older age, you know, I'm 71 now, so I can speak like that. Right? <laughs> it's sort of like, if you, you can't stop doing what you love doing. You know, look at the queen. You know, I was no fan of her or anything, right. but, you know, two days before she's died, she's already, she's still doing stuff, oh, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. And I think that's what keeps people young, and I think that keeps you active and, and you know, doing well, stuff. Well, when I
2: see... When I watch the news and I see that, like, this kid, Sean M- Mendez, do you know who he is? I've heard of him. The new yeah. hot pop star. Yeah. He just canceled his whole tour because he's mentally not prepared oh. to go out on the road. And Justin Bieber just yeah. canceled his whole tour because he's not well enough to go out on the road. And, you know, Keith Richards is still out there playing every night. Well, these, these, these artists. Whether they felt good or not,
0: they would still do a show. And before a show, which I've had, too, you know, like running camera and stuff, uh, I may be tired and not feeling good, but as soon as a show starts, something happens. You know, there's some kind of adrenaline or energy that just gets in there, you know?
2: Well, when I was on tour with the Stones in 94, the opening act was this band called Counting Crows. Oh, yeah. And uh, there was a room backstage called The Lounge. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's a pool table back there and a ping pong table and a big buffet of really great food and big screen TV showing a feed from the stage. Right. And uh, so after sound check, I'd always go back there. That was where I would hang out. And the guys from the Counting Crows would be in there playing pool. So I would just grab a pool cue and join in. Uh-huh. And they started asking me these questions like, so what are they really like? And they could have just walked into Keith's dressing room. They had the total access to the place, uh-huh. but they were scared of him. So I said, well, you know, first of all, they're the nicest guys in the world. Second of all, to me, the, the greatest statistic about the Rolling Stones, at that point they were celebrating their 45th anniversary. They'd only had to cancel one show in 45 years. Wow. And that was because Keith's finger got effect, infected from a cut, and he couldn't play guitar. Right, right. They didn't want to go on stage without him. Yeah. And uh, these guys, I don't even couldn't even if they walked in the door right now, I wouldn't even know who they were. They're just like these faceless, long-haired guitar players. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know who Adam Duritz is from the Counting Crows, but I don't know who any of the other guys are. So it's one of those guitar players says, "Oh man." that's amazing he said we've been a band for four years we've already canceled like 20 shows so they continue on the tour and at the end they had a month on the the tour and their month ended in new york their their crew showed up to pack up their equipment and they were starting a solo club tour not a club but a theater tour right playing, like, 3,000-seat theaters. And they had the number one record in the country. And I knew most of their crew guys because they were from Chicago. So I was hanging out with them backstage, and I said, hey, you know, when I get home, I'll call you. We'll go out to dinner or whatever. So I got home, like, a month later. I called my friends, and I said, I said hey, you know, we went out to dinner. I said, well, how was the Counting Crows tour? Oh, didn't you hear? And I said, what? And he said, well, we left the Meadowlands in New Jersey after they played that night night that they saw me drove to philadelphia went to sleep got up in the morning set up all the equipment at the whatever the theater was in philadelphia at the end of the show adam duritz calls the whole crew and band into the catering area stands in the chair in front of the room and he says you know guys doing that stones tour was really rough And we're all really tired. So you know what? We're going to cancel the rest of this tour. Oh, wow. The same guitar players that were amazed when I told them that, you know. The Stones did all these shows. The Stones did all these shows. We're standing in the back with my friends. And one of them turned to my friend and said, "Uh, isn't that great? You get a month off. My friend turned to him and said, no, you don't get it. You get a month off. We get a month with no pay. And he said, oh man we never thought about that plus you're
0: turning down the fans that counted on seeing you in that city exactly on that tour exactly that were like i can't wait to see my favorite band and then oh they canceled but
2: even worse than that or as as equally bad as that is all the people that sell popcorn at that venue lose a day's pay Mm -hmm. the ticket takers the ushers the production people the 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 promoter who paid for all the advertising, he doesn't get his money back from the advertising because no. the band canceled. Yeah. Everybody loses except for the band who gets to go home and go to sleep and hang out in their mansions. Crazy, isn't it? So the world is different it's- for those kind of people yeah it's like the rock and
0: roll work ethic uh got lost there so it doesn't exist anymore that's crazy i you know i would think you know i some of the new bands just i I would think still have that
2: uh well there used to be it used to be kind of a badge of honor Mm -hmm. for three guys to get in a van in a smelly van Uh drive around the country play shows and not make any money Uh sleep on people's floors i mean i still remember going out to there was this club and uh Schomburg called Beginnings which was right across the street from the Woodfield Mall. Uh-huh. And it was owned by the drummer of the band Chicago. And they had some pretty big shows there. And one day I got a call from a friend of mine who worked for a record label called IRS Records. And he said you got to go out to Beginnings tonight. You got to see this band that's playing. They're called The Police. Uh-huh. So I believed them, you know, he knew what he was talking about. So I drove out there. There were three people on stage. There were eight people in the audience. Wow. And they played
0: as if there two, were a hundred two and a half of- hours. Yeah,
2: played a great show. And then I was talking to them afterwards, and they said, "We can't talk to you for too long because we have to go and try to pick up some girls tonight <laughs> because we only have enough of a budget for one hotel room, which has two beds in it, and we got three people plus we got our road manager. who's also our sound guy. If we don't find at least two girls that will take us home tonight, two people have to sleep on the floor." <laughs> And that's how they toured on their first tour. Wow. And look at them now, you know? Well, that shows
0: true musicians, too. Uh, It didn't matter how many people are in the audience... They're play playing a show. They're playing a show because they're doing it for themselves, you know.
2: But they're also doing it for their those eight people.
0: It's sort of small pickings, though, if you only have eight in the crowd. Right.
2: <laughs> well, there were some bartenders and waitresses. There's, oh,
0: yeah, the, the supports there. Yeah, there were yeah. probably
2: 20 people there. <laughs> but yeah, the, you know, it's showbiz. The show must go on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what other bands did you have that you had good experiences with?
2: I had good experiences with most of the bands that I shot. Mm hmm. Uh, I hardly ever had bad experiences. There's only two bands that I've ever worked with that I don't get along with. Uh, one of them lives in Chicago. Uh-huh. It's part of that whole scene we were talking about before. Right, right. I won't tell you who it is. But the fine. guy's The guy's got a bald head and he plays guitar.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, hmm. <laughs> and he owns a little tea shop up in Winnetka. Uh-huh. Uh, the other one is John Mellencamp. Uh-huh. And for various reasons, both of those guys hate me, and that's okay. I don't hate them, but yeah, you yeah. know, I just avoid them. Yeah. But everybody else, I get along great with. So, in your archive, what is the most requested pictures? Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones. Well, in any given month, if somebody really famous dies, mm-hmm. get a lot of requests for those. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But over overall, year month by month, it's the Rolling Stones.
0: Mm-hmm. Now I remember you were in a radio. Uh, the, what the drive? You did a you did a uh, calendar for them.
2: That was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I just saw that recently. That was pretty cool.
0: Uh-huh. It was pretty cool. You ever think of doing something like that again? Or
2: no, I, I, the book is that's the that's the extent of, of my publishing career right now. Uh huh. That's enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if a if a radio station wants to do a calendar, I'm more than glad to do it.
0: Yeah. We should uh, do a commercial with a TV commercial with that because that's what we used to do. Super spots, right, right,
2: yeah. right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I've done a couple of billboards for the Loop. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I had a Springsteen billboard with the Loop when they had all those superstar billboards.
0: It's amazing how radio too has changed, isn't it? You know where uh, it it doesn't seem to.
2: <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't compute in my brain anymore. No, it's no. just there. Yeah. Uh, I uh, used to work with Steve Dahl all the time. Mm -hmm. Did you do his disco thing? I was in center field with him when he did disco demolition. This
0: is Comiskey Park in Chicago. The Detroit Tigers were trying to play a doubleheader against the Chicago White Sox. And between games, a Steve Dahl anti-disco promotion turned into a free-for-all riot. The field was torn to shreds, the game was canceled and forfeited to the Tigers. It was then that Steve Dahl became known to rockers from coast to coast.
2: Yeah, the, uh, the anti-disco thing did bring us to the uh, attention of the, uh, the nation. Uh, that was really just sort of a lark, a, a frivolous thing that turned into an extravaganza. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm being punished uh, by uh, Bill Veck, the owner of the team. I have to mow the lawn, the infield grass and the outfield grass, at Sox Park uh, twice a week for the next twenty years. Those are gr- the great days of radio when yeah. people were actual
0: personalities. And I think personality is what what your personality because you are a photo, you know, a photographer that has a personality looking for those moments. But yeah. it's a shame that that is not in radio anymore. Yet on TV and in movies, a personality is still you know
2: right. In radio, it's just you know it's. Two thirty-five. It's WLS it's FM, and mm-hmm. here's so and so.
0: Yeah, there's. It's a shame what they've done. I think the consolidation of the business has really changed right. it all because they used to be owners of everything. You know, it's like
2: it's all formula now. Yeah, and uh, and the DJs don't get to pick their music. Well, that sucks. You know, they're just given a list. It's yeah. like, play this, play that, play that, and it's. It'll. You know, I'm looking at a picture behind you of a. That's my DJ, old radio station. A, a DJ with a bunch of records behind him. Yeah,
0: that's 93 QFM in Milwaukee. Right. I started out in radio. Right. Milwaukee keeps rocking with 93 QFM. 93 QFM guarantees you the best rocket and room, and QFM backs their guarantee with more variety. The best of old and new. All the rock
1: right. with fewer commercials and less repetition. 93 QFM. Keep rocking.
0: And uh, we would play whatever was there. But
2: now it's all on a computer and they just punch up
0: Yeah. Like and it's yeah. A, it approved you can't you can't play, you know. And it used to be late night radio was so beautiful. Right. Because there, all the new disc jockeys were on the air. Right. and they had freedom they would play like local bands i mean none of the local bands would ever be successful if it wasn't for those early djs that uh broke right. them you And know.
2: Uh, none of that exists anymore
0: they say all everything old is going to be new again you don't think so
2: no it's over yeah it's over
0: well, you know, VHS tapes, they say, are coming back. I can't believe that. either. I don't believe
2: it either. No? <laughs> I still, still have a bunch. I'll, if if I have to buy a new VCR, I will. But you know,
0: yeah, well, they don't make them anymore. I know. I know. I know. Or Polaroid cameras, and and I uh,
2: uh, I still have a bunch of film cameras, but can't buy film anymore.
0: Where do you get? We well, have to do your own developing, right? You know, it's no place to even take right, it to. Right. Yeah. I remember when you could rent sixteen millimeter films too. Right. You know, uh, that was, we used to do that when I was uh, younger, you know, like in my.
2: <laughs> now people don't even know what that is. Now, no. Now they hold up their phones and they're watching movies on their iPhones. And the projector.
0: You know, when I was in school, I was the only one that could run the, the projectors for the. I was in a Catholic school. And, right. And uh, so I'd be the projectionist guy doing that right. kind of stuff. Well, I love that.
2: Makes yourself valuable. Yeah. Uh, you become yeah. Uh, unfireable.
0: Yeah. You know, I remember I talked to an engineer, and he said, "You know, someday everything's going to be disposable." And I go, well, "What do you mean? Like it's it's this eighty thousand dollar camera? Yeah, they're going to like you'll use it and then they throw them out." And that's really what's happened to everything now.
2: Well, back in the days when VCRs were just ending, I used to go, I used to be able to buy a VCR for like fifty nine bucks, right, at Best Buy something went wrong with it or it needed cleaning just got a new one it, it costs more to get it clean than to just go and buy a new one so you just throw it in the trash you go to best buy you buy a new one you plug it in and you're ready to go yeah. again well look what they've done to iphones right you know every year you got to get the latest new model you know i use this to make phone calls mm-hmm. and accept phone calls mm-hmm.
0: I've so, never,
2: never taken a picture with it.
0: So you have that camera on there? Not one picture ever?
2: No, I, I do take pictures with it quite uh-huh, often. Uh-huh. Uh, when I park my car in one of those multi-level parking lots. Oh yeah, where are you put? I it? take a picture of the floor. <laughs> yeah, the floor number when I get to the elevator.
0: Yeah, well, that could be your new book. Yeah, no. elevator floors.
2: <laughs> well, that's the only reason I. The camera's worth anything in this thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you got to wait for the right moment, too, you know. Right, exactly.
2: Got to wait, wait for the light to be right.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's another thing, too, with the shows. They used to be sort of lit. Now they're not even, it's all backlight.
2: It's an art that's lost. Mm-hmm. There's a friend of mine who's one of the best lighting guys in the business. Went all the way back to, like, the original Leonard Skinnerd. Wow. Original Cheap Trick, you know. He's still out there lighting shows. And uh-huh. He has a. A saying. It's only three words, but it sums up what a lighting guy needs to do: light the money. Who, who are the people paying to go and see? They're not go- paying to see the backs of people's heads; They're paying to see their faces. Yeah, yeah, light the money. So many
0: shows. It's all backlight. It's right, just crazy. Right. I don't know. Wow. Did you ever get COVID throughout all this? No. Me either. No. Well, we stay in.
2: We don't. I just go stayed off. home. I yeah. just stayed home. Yeah. yeah. Scan photos all day long.
0: Well, after surviving stage four colon and lung cancer, right. I wasn't going to take a chance. I yeah, I me mean, neither. You
2: know. A buddy guy had said to me, at the beginning of the, the pandemic, he said, you know, I've lived this long, it's, this is not worth dying over. No, no. So I just you know he stays home i stay home i sort of like
0: being at home and doing stuff
2: i learned how to cook
0: yeah what, I, what's
2: your vet, what, what do you cook like whatever whatever i go and buy at the grocery store and uh-huh the only time went out there in the pandemic was to go to the grocery store I'm, tomorrow i'm getting my fifth covid shot fifth so and yeah they just added a new one.
0: Oh really yeah oh wow i did not know that i got the pfizer i got the two and then the booster i think it was right i got
2: yeah. i got moderna i got the two and i got the two boosters uh-huh and now there's a fifth one. Oh wow so i guess there's no future
0: for th- photography like there was for rock and roll no huh? it's,
2: it's over it's done
0: wow it's done wow the I'm good old a days. lecture at class
2: at columbia on wednesday morning and yeah they're gonna want to know like hey how can i do what you're doing and i'm gonna say ain't gonna happen yeah ain't gonna happen kids
0: yeah and they'll say, well, I got my new iPhone.
2: <laughs> well, they're also just paid $200,000 for an education to learn how to take pictures. Mm-hmm. They'd be better off just going to get a job as a waiter. Not, not to sound depressing or anything, but...
0: Well, it's happened that way. You know, we used to do commercials for radio stations. Right. And uh, it took us, you know, we had to have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment just to do a commercial. Right. And now, oh, you can do it on, you know, you can virtually do a commercial on your phone if you wanted to or your laptop, you know. Exactly. And everybody's got that, and that sort of ruined the business. Yeah. But again, it's still creativity. If you're not creative and don't think out of the box, you're just going to be like, you know.
2: You're going to end up with a lousy commercial.
0: Yeah. So you do lectures and stuff now? Yeah,
2: I've always done that. Oh, really? Yeah. But uh, I don't know what to tell them anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, why'd you just spend all this money? Yeah. Should have kept the money and, you know, gone to the south of France and live I don't know. I think they
0: should just uh, hire you directly just to teach them and give you the 200 grand. (laughs) I don't want
2: to. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy.
0: Wow. So what's your future like, do you think?
2: uh there is no future
0: well of course there's uh, a future uh, there's hey we're two old men i don't know yeah. how, how old are you i'm 70 Sev- i'm 71 yeah, so yeah. you know i'll be 71 in october so we're virtually i'm gonna exact, be 70,
2: 71 in december
0: yeah we're virtually the exact same age right but i'm not giving uh, up
2: i don't have any future in this business yeah that's over yeah uh, i you know i uh i don't know See if something else comes along. Right now, I'm making enough money selling licensing pictures that I shot 30 years ago. Wow! And I I could, I could do that forever. Mm -hmm. And stay home and sit on the couch and watch TV.
0: Yeah. What are your favorite TV shows?
2: (laughs) Oh, I, I watch whatever's on. Watch a lot of the Food Channel. Yeah. That's how I learned how to cook. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I bought all the different implements. I got, uh, a whole, I got a whole rack of spatulas and tongs and
0: cooking with Paul, yeah, the latest yeah. series. Hey, and you got video. You could do your own show of just right. cooking. You know,
2: sometimes it comes out really good, sometimes not so good. Well,
0: isn't that what uh, cooking's all about? You just yeah. the experimentation. You know,
2: I, I get enough good meals out of it. But, but even okay. if they're
0: bad, you're still going to eat it.
2: But it's also, I can make. Dinner that will last me for three days for, uh-huh. like, eight bucks.
0: Yeah, so... Well, uh, I can't wait to see how your book turns out, and uh, where can you get it at? It's on...
2: Uh, Amazon. Amazon? Yeah, I, I should have... I don't have any copies, any extra copies, uh-huh. I I able to brought you one, but...
0: No, that's okay. They're,
2: uh, they're on Amazon. They're in bookstores. And,
0: and here, look at you're doing your own promotion about it, so, you know. Well,
2: you know, it's i'm doing it because it's you yeah not so much because it's the book
0: oh okay <laughs> but, uh, you know well all i know is we've had uh such good times over the past you know with your photos and things and, oh yeah and the times that we've been at shows together you know and uh where we got to actually shoot the whole show right exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> which uh we don't even do that anymore you know
2: right exactly i don't know cool
0: cool so did you have a good time here on jbtv
2: yeah this, was great. this awesome. is great awesome this is uh, quite an atmosphere here
0: Well I'm all about atmosphere and I'm all about making things look cool and uh, you know and I'll always remember you you always say the moments and everything to me has a feel and a personality and that's what I wanted to do here at my house you know right right because th- I think that's what got me through cancer you know all right it's cool. like I never gave up. And I always had something to do, you know. Well, the legendary Paul Natkin right here on JB TV, your show from downtown Chicago. Check out his new book and what's it called? Moment in Time. Moment in Time. Available on Amazon and anywhere books are sold. And uh are you gonna do like special autograph? You should have something that you could uh, for more money?
2: Uh, if somebody wants to pay me extra, I'll sign anything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think you should do that. Offer that as part of it. All that. right. See, this is stuff your publicist should be telling you. <laughs>
2: well, yeah. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: We'll see what happens. Well, good luck with everything. All Thank right. you again for being on JBTV. Cool. There you go, the JBTV podcast, where we bring you the best music, the best interviews, and it's all unscripted and totally unrehearsed. Follow us on all the social media and spread the word. This is JBTV Music Television, the JBTV podcast. JBTV.
1: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.